hello, hello, and welcome to Salon Stories, the podcast that dives a little deeper into the salon industry and the people it relies on. Uh, I'm your host, Josh Rees, and usually with me is Kelly McCloskey, but she can't be here today. Uh, so just me, but uh, with me, I've got a very exciting guest. Um, actually, the uh, CEO and owner of our sponsors, Hairdressing Supplies Link, and uh, thanks for being with us, Mike. You're most welcome. So really, I mean, usually we talk a little bit about uh, more um, stylists, um, hairdressers, sort of like on the front line of the industry, as it were. But we thought we'd take a different approach this episode um, and have a look at really the normal business side of the industry. And we figured you're a great person to speak to for that, um, being the businessman that you are. So I guess let's just start at the very beginning. Like, It's not hairdressing as an industry that you were initially into, was it? Do, am I right in thinking you were an accountant first? I went to uni to study accountancy. Mm-hmm. Um, I lasted one semester and right. decided it was far too boring. Okay. Um, naturally, very good with numbers, but yeah. yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't for me. So I decided I wanted something different. And uh, I had a friend who was a hairdresser and said, "Oh, well, I spend a lot of money on hairdressing products. Maybe you should get into that." And that was 19 years ago, mm. and uh, now we're one of the biggest in the UK with 30 people in a podcast that we're sponsoring at the moment. That's all right. It's very exciting. <laughs> I, I bet, I mean, it's a cool in sort of different thing. I don't, I don't see many wholesalers mm. with uh, with their, their own podcast they're sponsoring. Was that, was that cool for you as you started um, that? We love trying new things. Mm-hmm. We love finding new things, doing new things very much how hairdressers are when they're always trying new styles trying new techniques trying new products and we're the same and when we looked at the start of the year we were trying to think of new ideas new things to do and we thought a podcast would be a very good way to get through to customers maybe show them a bit more what we do how we do it and get to know some more which is the most important thing knowing your customers Mm. So you said you started off with hairdressing because your friend happened to be a hairdresser. So uh, previously, I mean, did you have any any inkling towards this industry at all? Or No, I still can't dye hair, <laughs> right. which um, is something when I speak to hairdressers, they're often shocked about that I still don't know how to dye hair. But I think from a business point of view, being emotionally detached from products helps inform business decisions mm-hmm. whereas when people are a lot more emotionally involved with either their rep or people um, and they stick at things and don't try and take on new products and new ideas new services new ways of doing things i think that's in business when people fall behind and it's mm-hmm. always good to at least try new things and measure and see if they work or not so, I mean, how do you get from starting to, you know, sell hair supplies because a mate wanted cheaper prices to being the biggest, indep- well, one of the biggest independents in the country? What what took you there? Um, sticking at the job for 15 years, mm. um, nobody walks into a salon or a business with it doing millions of pounds and having hundreds of staff. People start and learn and develop a bit like hairdressers start as an apprentice to learn how to wash hair. Mm-hmm. As simple a thing as that is to, needs to be done properly. I think it's very much in business how 
I've grown is by trying all the different bits, learning and continuing to grow. And a lot of people just assume that success happens overnight, whether it's salons or wholesalers. It takes years and years to develop, learn and grow unless you've got a massive wad of money to accelerate that learning process, which I didn't have. And some people I appreciate do. I mean, obviously, you've been working in the industry, say, for 19 years. Yeah, I think I... Well, when I'm at uni, 18, I think you start uni. Mm-hmm. So 35, 17 years. Okay. I've been going so far. That's an awful long time to be in the one industry. It is. Maybe I should have tried something new and followed my own advice and gone to a different <laughs> industry. If I haven't made it in 18 years, maybe that's the issue. But I enjoy it. I love the people. Mm-hmm. It's It's fun seeing creative things I really enjoy I'm not naturally creative so I think it's really nice to be surrounded by talent and creativity Mm. um, as it is one of my weaker areas of development I think it's cool that you recognize that though I think it's massively important for people to recognize their own strengths and, and weaknesses and obviously being an owner of a business and a CEO you're in a position where you can sort of pull in from different pools of talent and, and mm. surround yourself with the people that know what you don't. Yeah. Um, I guess maybe that's one of the reasons why you've got to where you are today, I suppose. Would you agree? Yeah. With all businesses, as you as you get bigger, you have more resources available, mm-hmm. whether that's um, stylists making more money and what areas of the business you look at strengthening. Um, is everybody's personal choice. Some people would rather take the money as a salon grows and some people would rather use it to develop more younger talent and let them come through and keep growing the business. Equally, some people don't have the space to develop the business and don't want to think five or ten years in advance. Mm. When we bought the unit we're in here, which is 8,000 square foot, we were previously in a 2,000 square foot and I was looking for potential for growth when we moved here. Um, and now we've got another unit as well which is really nice to grow. Mm-hmm. But we had the opportunity to um, buy this unit and it's not the same for everyone. If you've been in a village or a town in the same salon, it's only got so much space. You can't just build outwards or upwards. So it's finding and seizing the opportunities to go to grow if that is what you want. A lot of people don't want to continue to grow. I couldn't imagine doing a £50 million turnover wholesalers Mm -hmm. um, like some of the big boys that are out there Um, because I think there'd be so much stress involved that that is not the size that I want to get to. Um, Same with salons. Some people want to aim and have 10, 20, 30, 40 people in a salon. Um, Some people are very happy having two or three doing enough to have a nice lifestyle and they don't want extravagant. So you're not aiming for like to be one of the big boys then you, you, I assume you've, you've always got room to grow and you, you, I assume this isn't like the end point for you. You want to, you want to be growing further and bigger, but have you got like a specific goal or an an area, like a size you'll get to where you think that's me, I'm good now. When we first started the target as everybody's first target is when they get into business is I want to turn over a million pounds. Right. And that took us around 10 years to get there to get to two million two million pounds only took us another two years okay so we continue to grow and we're currently doing three and a half million pounds and our next target for next year is five million pounds 
that's what we're aiming to get to when we get there. We might say, okay, let's go a bit more. Let's keep growing. Let's go up to seven, eight, nine, ten. Or we might get there and go, yeah, this is this is happy. We've got every area covered that we want. And yeah. we might just carry on as we are. So sort of like moving from from goals, has there ever been, I mean, it's, obviously it's a long, long like we said, a long, long time journey. to be, yeah, yeah, in the same career and a long journey for you. Um, have you got like a, a standout moment or like a, a highlight for you? Um, standout moment, definitely a trip we did to Milan. We organised, we took on known brand colour um, mm-hmm. exclusively in the UK, which is Suprema colour, an amazing colour, which we absolutely love. I've done really well with it. And we decided, having got it into a lot of salons, we'd do a training event in Milan. So we went with hindsight the wrong way. In we booked ourselves a hundred seats on a hundred hundred people over to Milan before we started selling tickets or raising a profile for the event. And then we were committed. We were all in. And having a hundred people in Milan was a massive learning experience. Having never done any events or anything like that before, it was amazing, good fun. Loads of people love it. Met loads of new hairdressers from all over the UK, which was really good um, to actually meet face to face and talk to the customers and, you know, get to know what they want, what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And it was a couple of nights of, of really good entertainment, good knowledge sharing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we... A few bevs. Um, yeah, one or two. It was good fun. Food in Italy, amazing. Mm-hmm. Never get let down by food in Italy. But that was definitely, I think, the highlight and funnest thing that I've ever done for HDSL that I could talk about on a podcast. <laughs> right. So have you got any plans to do any anything, well, that again or anything like it? We did two last year and the plan this year was to do four. Um, we started a bit slow off the mark and I thought we were going to do three. And mm-hmm. then just as we were getting ready to start organising it... Um, Corona hit, which is upsetting. What's what's Corona? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean that massive pandemic? Yeah, mm. yeah, it doesn't affect everyone, but yeah, it's it slowed us down. We with Milan's weather, it's a little bit like the UK, but it gets a bit sunny a bit quicker. So the earliest we could sort of take people out there without being tipping in rain and mm-hmm. actually enjoy the city as well as the event side of it would have been April time. And we were looking in March to start doing something for May. And um, yeah, once we started looking into it, we got locked down. So I don't think there'll be anything happening this year. Hopefully next year we can start and do some again because they're really good fun. Gets the brand out, get a bit more known. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll we'll see in, in, due time. in due time what is happening next year. I mean, it's interesting you actually brought up uh, the pandemic as... I found it, I mean, personally, I've found it stressful enough just as a person. Um, and you've obviously got those sort of same things to, to fight with over the last few months. But you've also got, um, do you say 30 employees or something like that that you mm. have to think about as well? Yeah. Has it been a particularly stressful time for you? Has there been any in particular that you've done to try and ease the situation? Or um, I think with already trying new things and already being quite visible online and having a good mm-hmm. online presence and setup with being more of a younger business um, in our industry. 20, 20 years is not that young, but... Old enough to drink. Yeah, like that. Not not in America. 
well, yeah, we're not in America. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think we were quite well positioned going in. Um, uh, we didn't have a lot of retail stuff. I know some industry friends who had clippers who sold them all and did, um, I know one wholesaler in Lancashire, he did 600% of his normal income. Gives you an idea how well he did from it. Mm. Um, obviously, some other wholesalers are more bricks and mortar, and they were shut down and did nothing on their income for two months. It's probably taken 15% off our projections, maybe 20% for this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's frustrating, but now it's the adapting period and working out how we can do click and collect, how we can still help hairdressers, what other help hairdressers need, because yep. it's um, things that we're offering 120-day interest-free credit now, which is a really good thing um, to help some hairdressers who just need an extra bit of financial help and a bit more pressure taking off them. Um, and what other things and how we can get through to people, because reps aren't allowed out to visit at the moment, or they're allowed out, but hairdressers don't really want to take up space with, yep. with reps. Is so, that working in your favour, you'd say, at the moment? At the moment, I think we're we're doing very well. We're on targets for where we want to be. We're very um, happy with the company's health. Um, everyone is healthy in the business, which is nice. Um, I had one supplier in Spain who was put into an induced coma, which was horrible to hear about, but luckily mm-hmm. he's made it out. And I'm sure we'll have a lot of stories when we get talking with our customers again what what they've been through yeah um, but it's now moving through the transition and to support excited to get going again yeah i'm absolutely buzzing i've got people visiting again next week which sounds so small but is really really nice monday tuesday guests coming over to see us which is nice just getting back to normal cool it'll be good fun moving forward quite happy cool sounds good um we've we've obviously we've covered the highs um, uh, of your career with the uh, event in Milan. Um, has there been like a particular moment throughout your lengthy career that where you thought, oh, I don't want to do this anymore? I just got like a, a specific thing that really made you question what you were doing. Um, there's loads of lows in business that <laughs> people don't see, whether that's any, any level. You look at Woolworths a couple of years ago, people just turning up to work and the doors being shut. Hmm. been going on there's loads of highs and lows some you get through some you don't um yeah it's the the other side of business that business owners um go through and i think a lot of um, employees and stylists and hairdressers don't have to see um one of my other businesses um i've got a tea rooms and we couldn't put in a ice cream fridge because there wasn't enough electric going into the building. Oh, hell. <laughs> um, which sounds small, but I'm sure a lot of hairdressers have had issues with electric, and we thought, mm. oh, we'll just get to, get to turn up a bit, it'll be great. And we got a bill from the electric board for, um, I think it was £12,000, just bill. to have um, more electric so we could put a ice cream freezer in, which was annoying. How expensive are the ice creams going to have to be? Oh, well, we'd, we'll do something else <laughs> we, we we need it put in but it's these these little unexpected um costs in business which can be really 
frustrating when you planned and budgeted and just some sort of thing happens out of nowhere. When we were in Milan on our conference, we had a hairdresser who we were chatting to. And whilst we were sat in the hotel having a chat, she got a phone call from her assistant manager who said the power had gone out in their building. Um, this was a Friday night and they had a full column in Saturday. Oh, no. Right, yeah. And the electric board had been out and said that the power had gone just to their unit and they had no idea how long it would take to fix and no solution. And she's out of the country. She was in another country, incredibly frustrated, not knowing what to do. Um, So luckily, I had some power knowledge and a friend who works um, on the national grid who I've managed to ring and have a chat with him on solutions moving forward. Um, But the thing with being a business owner, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, you're never really able to switch off, turn Mm. your phone off and relax 100%. Because, you know, at any time you could get a call about anything. There's nothing I hate more than a a. 7am call, as I know some (laughs) of my team get in very early. And I'm just worried what they've found, what they've walked into. Yeah. Have we been burgled? What's happened? Is the power not working? Is the alarm going off? It's the other side of business, but equally with the lows come the highs. And there's been some amazing trips, places we've got to be, exhibits we've got to do and go to. Going to Vegas, going to Hong Kong, Milan, all different countries all over Europe. It's been a really enjoyable trip and I think with any career if you search out trips which you can learn at um, and develop yourself they're always worth going to but mm-hmm. whatever the career is whatever the conferences are just meeting new people seeing new things it's really worth doing I mean it's it's hard for me to say not being a parent myself I struggle enough with houseplants let alone kids but it does sort of sound like see being a CEO is is almost like being a parent with never being able to fully switch off or get away. Um, yeah, being a, a parent, I would say, is probably a little bit more rewarding, seeing the little faces get bigger. And mm-hmm. also, I would say it is um, sometimes easier as everything is normally in your control and it's great right. to see things grow and develop. But in business, a lot of things are out of your control. You can build a beautiful salon, um, but if somebody says something which is wrong or destroys you with a review online or accuses you of something, you can be in a terrible situation, Mm. which nobody wants. It isn't some people's fault. Um, Review sites are the best thing to happen to any industry and the worst thing at the same time. Um, we're lucky with the tea rooms. We've got quite good reviews, but we've had reviews on there which are completely ridiculous, right? completely unfounded. And we know what's happened and they've just had another take because they're angry and want to release their anger and feel this is the best way. It's a bit like trolling and it's the same in a lot of industries, I'm sure. Mate, you just keep pushing for good reviews. Like on this podcast, hopefully we'll get some good reviews <laughs> and push a push a liking up. I hope you, uh, you're going to push them as much as possible. Always. <laughs> Gotta don't forget to subscribe. Um, yeah. So have you d- had to like develop a, a sort of a thick skin then? I think that is something that um, every business owner has and have, has to have to continue. If you take things 
personally in business it's it's never going to work out well in the long term we've had suppliers and customers we've dealt with um, who have slagged us off to other customers and then come and drink tea and coffee with us um, right with friends life's too short to hold grudges mm-hmm. and in business life's too short to deal with yesterday just deal with what's in front of you we've got customers who come in and slag us off and say they'll never order from us again because the courier's lost their parcel and right. the next day they say oh we'd like to order some stock now and you think well you were horrible to us yesterday but mm. that's life everyone's bathtub gets full with what they're dealing with and you've just got to think it isn't a personal thing to you no you don't i suppose you don't know what's going on in their lives do you it might just be a really bad day for them no you just gotta keep smiling and carry on as best you can so i mean obviously we've we talked about being thick-skinned you seem pretty able to like brush things off your shoulder but what but i mean if you had to describe yourself really what kind of boss are you do you think i am incredibly um relaxed and laid back which works with some character types. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work with other character types. Um, if you're a self-starter who needs space and likes to do things for themselves, um, likes to innovate and move forward, um, we're a perfect match. If you need to be spoon-fed and seek reassurance um, and you're quite insecure in yourself, um, then that doesn't work well with my personality. Mm-hmm. As the business owner, I try to adapt as much as I can, but being honest in who you are to yourself is very important in business and being able to identify character types quickly um, is a massive help. And hairdressers do this every day of the week. When they have a new customer walk in, they're assessing what shoes they're wearing, how they're dressed up, who would be the best stylist that they can work with. Mm-hmm. Um who would suit that personality type best and how they're dressed, how they how loud they are, how their hair is, what condition, what bag they've got on their hands. And they're trying to make these assessments for new customers all the time. And when you've got existing customers seeing, is their head down? Are they quieter than normal? Are they louder than normal? Are their kids there? And adapting your personality to your client on that day um, is something a lot of people do without even consciously know that they're doing it. Hmm. and I think spending more time learning about psychology is something that has really helped me to develop as a manager Um, little things which I don't get or feel I need myself like praise because when you're in the business you never get praise you have your account once a year saying yeah you've done well well done no concerns your balance sheet looks healthy Um, there's no one above you to say well done some character types do need praise and some people do need to hear well done once a week and that's all they need and they'll carry on. They just need to know they're doing a good job and some people don't need it. They'll carry on to do regardless. Um, But I think assessing people is one massive, massive thing. I definitely recommend any manager, boss or leader um, learns about as much as they can. Grab a drink if you want. I saw you reach for it earlier. <laughs> How does 5% off your next shop for hairdressing supplies sound? Good? 
Use the code POD5 on checkout at hairdressingsuppliesLincoln.com and then I'll get you 5% off your entire order. On us. Anyway, back to the show. I'm not the best at making coffee, I'm afraid. Oh, I need it to say, at least the phone's now sorted. All done, yeah? Sort of. The highs and lows of owning a business. <laughs> um, I mean, we, could, we could cover that, if you want to cover that. <laughs> Is, we, issues, issues you've had today. <laughs> Where do you start? Is it just the one, or have you been all right today? Because um, you, you came in pretty hot. Yeah, what we've done today, the phone line's been an issue. Been sorting out Marcella's flights. Um, Abby doesn't know where anything is in the country, so Marcella had an inventory of where she wants to go up and down the country. <laughs> and Abby's telling us she can't do it because Peterborough is too far from Heathrow. And I'm like, they're about an hour, hour and a half away. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, I thought they were about six hours. So I've told her we can't do that. And I'm like, where do you think Peterborough is? Where do you think Heathrow is? Oh, that's London. Where's London? London's down, isn't it? Well, she did also think Wales was a city at one point, I think, instead of a country. Um, no, we, we got the bridge to Wales once. That was fun. Um, <laughs> she said, oh, what, what are we doing? I said, oh, Abby, I've gone the wrong way. This is France. She went, what? I said, look at all that water. She's like, oh, <laughs> Mike, how do you mess this up? You know where you're going. You're following the sat-nav. I'm like, Oh, yeah. And then we went to visit Mark in Cumbria, which is top right. Mm-hmm. And there's all, you go through like the countryside of all the, all the lakes. And there's all these like stone built walls. And I said, have you ever watched Braveheart? And she said, oh, is that the film with the man who goes, oh. I said, yeah, the Scottish one. She said, yeah. And I said, they're all the walls separating Scotland with England. So we can't go over them. Oh, so we're at Scotland, are we? I was like, yeah, if we go over those walls, we're in Scotland. And she went, oh, I've never been to another country in the UK. See, I do know. She's an interesting character, isn't she? She also told me that um, Marcella has got a new supplier who um, sells to 86,000 countries. She told me this the other week. (laughs) (laughs) I feel, I, I feel like Alice has just crossed her off her like backup list of people who I might get in the sales manager. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for like a comedy 100th episode. <laughs> yeah, she's funny. So uh, you, we've spoken about you working with salons. You've alluded to working with wholesalers as well. Um Obviously, I mean, for, for some people, maybe, maybe not in the industry or maybe who are more on the front line, um, might find it confusing that a wholesaler would sell to a wholesaler because you'd in theory be in direct competition. But is there a particular reason why you decided to go down that route? Or um, I think people working together achieve so much more. Um, I was in Pizza Hut a little while ago and mm-hmm. they'd run out of stuffed crusts pizzas. I said, oh, I really want a stuffed crust pizza. So the waiter said to the manager can i go to waitrose and get some cheese strings and put them in the stuffed crust pizza he said yes and they said if you don't mind waiting 20 minutes we'll we'll get you a stuffed crust pizza which i'm not sure if they're allowed to do it or i'm allowed to mention all these brands um this however, podcast is not sponsored by pizza Hut or cheese string <laughs> or waitrose um but yeah i just think thinking outside the box working with people 
um, is just so much better. And if a salon has an issue and it can't work and it's friends with a salon down the road and they can pull all their clients in and they keep their clients happy and the other salon can take 10% of the turnover for having the space and it's available, mm-hmm. why shouldn't people work together more? And I think that's very much the whole wholesale industry works a lot better together than people realize outside of the the big big um brands we have supplier conferences where we get to meet them all and when i was i think 21 the first one i went to was in portugal and there was about 120 wholesalers there um, and our supplier just put us all into room together gave us unlimited free drink and we had a great time and that's when I realized I'm, I'm going to work with everyone rather mm-hmm. than trying to beat them all and sometimes they nick our customers sometimes we nick, nick theirs but the best business in the end will win mm-hmm. and if you can help each other out and make a bit more money with each other I think that's always a lot more important than just being selfish and just being out for yourself and your business only and you never know what the future holds you might want to go and work with another person or another person might have an opportunity to work with you. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big, keen, avid fan of collaboration, however it is and whatever mm. form it takes in uh, any business. Sounds like you're almost like building a community within the industry. I'd love to try it. I think one of the best um, communities I've seen in hairdressing is Salon Geek and there's just people on there all the time which are just helping each other out, having ideas. Mm. I need a product, sending each other links. Um, I think that's a really, really great thing that has been developed in the cafe side of things. Um, We've got a coffee shop group on Facebook for coffee shop owners. And some of the ideas, thoughts, sharing information on there has been really useful for us as we're growing. Um, And now another business I've got, the dog toy business, or the luxury lifestyle brand that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, we're starting to get to know other dog suppliers in the industry and collaborating with them has been really, really interesting. And them sharing their information in the industry that we're just getting into is really good fun. So yeah, I'm really, really happy to always share ideas and thoughts and people and time. Good. I think it's nice to just I don't know, like you say, like working with people as opposed to against people. It's just, there's just a bit more positivity in it. And you, you, like you say, you can create more opportunities for you that you can't necessarily see right now further down the road. Hmm. I mean, if we talk into, um, or if rather you're talking to people that are listening to this podcast, maybe trying to get into business themselves, even past, let's, let's talk about past Mike. Um, if you could go speak to 18 year old, 20 year old Mike. Um, give him like a little tidbit, a piece of advice um, for going forward. What would you wish to have known? Um, as for the people's advice, mm-hmm. you don't have to take it, but you might get some advice which um, is going to help you short term or long term. Um, but I think feeling you've got to be in your business, just you, yourself all the time, making it bigger, growing with just your thoughts is something which I've definitely learned over the years. Like now we're really lucky to have a great team and they get on and look for stuff themselves. It's mm. it's not about what I do anymore. I facilitate their ideas now. Um, but even when there was just me right at the beginning, I think if I had have asked for more thoughts and advice from people, um, so when we started, 
and on our opening day we sold hair dyes and we didn't sell peroxide right which get mixed together to create yeah hair color <laughs> and then, essential but to we knew we had a good price for hair dyes and started and had an opening day with that because that's all we'd sold and we had a hairdresser come in and explain it to us and we hired her on the first day that we opened because we needed that advice and i mm. think if i had have asked for more advice quicker we would have grown a lot earlier but that's life and learning yeah it's part of the process i guess mm. um so you mentioned uh, that you is, is it five million your goal for this year was that next year um it was going to be this year but it is now going to be next year's goal okie dokie post covid and all yeah what is the what's the next step for you then um either as a professional yourself or for the business uh, like if you've got um a goal or a way that you want to achieve that or um we are gonna get some more different products some more lines some more brands expand our sales territories mm-hmm. um, that we have at the moment um, but future progressions and goals at the moment past the end of this year or the end of next year if we have to push them back a bit um, I think that the world's evolving incredibly quickly mm-hmm. and any goals people had last year will probably change this year. So I think trying to plan three, five years out now is a lot more challenging than it used to be. Big businesses used to have five and 10 year plans. Mm-hmm. Now they have three and five. Um, I, I think trying to over plan is not one of my strengths and something I concern myself too much with, but seizing opportunities that do present themselves um like my other businesses that i'm that i'm doing is something i'm really keen on and i love new ideas and trying new things so there's not many new ideas at the moment but i'm sure if you ask me again in six months i'd probably say something completely different that you'd not thought of yeah so as you're sponsoring a podcast what's next maybe like a netflix docker um it is something i would absolutely love to do um, I think for, from a branding point of view, it is incredibly good for companies. Uh, there's been a lot of personal branding on Netflix. So people doing documentaries about themselves and letting film crews um, follow them and presenting themselves in the light they want to be presented in. Um, people watching them, I don't think, realise how controlled they are by the stars. They just think you're looking randomly into a person's <laughs> life. Yeah. Um, but I think understanding how documentaries work and what the actual point in them is um, is important when you're watching things like this. But I would really like to do um, a Netflix or YouTube or something series into the business there's a lot of gdpr issues we'd have to look at um or maybe one of my new businesses we follow that as it grows mm. um, so my dog my style um is only doing 500 pounds last week in turnover if we can follow that up um and explain what it is now maybe do videos and put it all together in a year's time to see where it's come and we could get it on a platform like Netflix or YouTube. I think that would be incredibly enjoyable mm. to watch back. Um, and it would help the brand incredibly because people would want a number two to see what happens next. And people do like learning about businesses, but businesses don't like showing internally how they're working because they're 
afraid of being copied or mm. outdated or seeing issues, people seeing behind the scenes. Um, the Amazon tour we went on last year, which is free to do and is an amazing experience, made me think Amazon is just a, a square box. And I think a lot less of Amazon having been behind the scenes and right. realising that the cardboard boxes don't smile and sing when they're on the <laughs> conveyor belt, um, which I thought was you know something that happened. Um, but we took a lot and learned and we brought it back into our business. But yeah, I think it would be, it would be nice to do um, a video documentary hmm. rather than just podcasts. But equally, I think podcasts, you can get through to a lot more people a lot quicker because it's, I feel podcasts have got a big slot to fill in commuting when people are walking or cycling. Um, they just need something for their ears to listen to. Hmm. Uh, whereas a video, you're then competing with big budgets of TV and series. Um, but yeah, with, with time, hopefully a video documentary series will be great. Uh, so I've got a couple of questions for you. We like to ask sort of uh, every guest, um, if, you, if you don't mind. Um, first off being, we like to get to know sort of you as, as a businessman, um, uh, usually as like a hairdresser or a stylist, but in this case, businessman. Um, but we'd like to sort of like know the person as well. So if there's one thing that people don't necessarily know about you that you wish more people knew, what would that be? I'm a lot more approachable maybe than some people um, might think. They think that a CEO or somebody who has all the people doesn't want to talk and is always too busy to talk. I think a lot of people don't realise that managers and CEOs and MDs are just people who want to talk. There's always a question of boundaries mm -hmm. and what you can and can't do, how much you can and can't drink when you're out and about on work trips. Um, but yeah, I feel that maybe some people are a lot more intimidated by me than they should be. You don't think you're all that scary? I don't think many people think I'm scary. I've never shouted outside of Sunday League football. Um, yeah, I'm not scary, but people might say intimidating. It, which brings us to our, our, our final question, really. Usually this is a segment we would sort of dedicate to selling horror stories, but with you being sort of more on the business side of things, um, I, I was sort of more interested to see what, um, if anything, like was there a pivotal moment or um, an event in your career where that you really learnt something from that you've taken with you for the rest of your life? Um, I had, I was asked to come in as a consultant to a salon um, who I knew who wasn't doing too well. Mm -hmm. um, she was losing in her salon about £500 a week and had come to the end of her savings and wasn't sure what to do. So I was right. asking my thoughts and I said, oh, I'll come in. And I'll consult and I'll have a look at the, the business side of things and try to work out where the issue is. Because she had a lovely, beautiful salon in a really affluent area, lots of space. Um, we looked at it together and there were two issues. One is she'd lost the um, engagement of all the staff. And the other was her um, reading of the profit and loss is she did not understand the numbers or where she was going wrong so we had three visits over three months we got the staff back engaged and on board um, we explained where her um, average 
um, ticket price was lower than it should be for her area and we showed her some other models she could use mm -hmm. and we turned the business around in three months to making 500 pound a month profit and she nice. was really happy she was really grateful said right i'm going to take it from here carry on with what we're doing within three months one of the staff had rung me up and said she's gone back into her old ways again um we're thinking of leaving is there anything you can do to sort this out and i said i'm been told that she doesn't need me anymore and things are going well and within another three months oh, she'd no. closed the doors in the business and everyone had left and uh yeah she was she was very upset and um well i suppose she, it sounds like she didn't really understand what was going wrong um no i think when you're in a hole it's very hard to dig yourself out mm -hmm. and if you jump you can see out of a hole but then you go back down again and I think she um, had jumped and thought things were better and had gone down and didn't, couldn't turn the business round with her current way of thinking and didn't want to change. So, I mean, what was the lesson you took from that? Um, going back to asking for help and listening to people and asking for thoughts. And if people have good advice and thoughts, even if it's not the same as yours, if you try something and it works, leave it. Don't so think you know better. That's why you're asking for more thoughts and help and advice being on the other end of the advice sort of helped see how valuable it could be. Yeah. I have a fantastic mentor mm -hmm. um, called uh, Paul and he's given me some amazing thoughts, ideas and help over the years. And he always says you can take this help or you cannot take this help, but this is exactly what you need to do. It's your choice whether you do it. And I'll always try his ideas. I completely trust him. And 10 times out of 10 so far, they've been right and it's been what I've been needing to hear. Mm -hmm. But I'm the one who's got to implement it, see it through, do it. And I have done. But some people hear the right things and don't and implement them, but then don't see them through. Um, I think everyone's like that from time to time. But I try to listen to people yeah. a lot more as long as they know what they're, uh, they're saying is right. <laughs> Well, thank you honestly so much for taking the time to speak with us. I, we've, we've seen sort of like through this recording how busy your business life can be. <laughs> so we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you much, Josh. This episode of Salon Stories was sponsored by hairdressingsuppliesLincoln.com. It was edited by Josh Reist and produced by Alice Leonard. Don't forget to subscribe and please do give us a positive review as that really does help us out a lot. Uh, also, if you want to see a little bit of what goes on behind the scenes, follow us on Instagram. That's at Salon Stories Pod. Thank you ever so much for listening and we'll see you next time for the next Salon Story. Salon Story.